House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is our email address. We're on Twitter at House of Run 202-495-1137 is the voicemail line that you can use to call in, and we'll have a special voicemail later on in the show from a longtime favorite of the House of Run podcast. I'm Kevin, joined by Jason in what I can only assume is in a very depressed mood still. Jason, are you, are you feeling any better? Yeah, it's it's a little rough. I mean, I'm going to Chicago tomorrow, so that's keeping me keeping me a little happy. Uh, the Las Vegas hockey team is surprisingly excellent, so that's that's helping a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm still a little bummed out. The reason being, I mean, Asbel Kiprop, uh, one of the favorites, uh, one of the show favorites, I would say, consistently. I think I've picked him to set the world record. Him. That's true. Yeah, like that. I mean, that's got to be even more painful. The fact that Asbel, um, I think he's going to become something else soon. Um, Kipchoge, yep. something along those lines. Um, yeah, it's 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 a rough one. I mean, obviously he's been he's been great forever, and he's still like young, where you still expect him to be great going forward. Uh, but this, uh, yeah, this is this is not good. Officially, been changed the boy's name to Iliud. At this point, good, uh, strong, yeah, yeah. Our our friend Joe Battaglia came by after the news and let me know, hey, you got to change this. Then we got some people <laughs> on Twitter; they're making the same recommendation. So we just got to put the paperwork in now because yes, last week we got news that Asbel Kiprop tested positive in an out of competition drug test in November 2017 for EPO. Kiprop, of course, the Olympic gold medalist in a race where he actually got elevated to the gold, didn't cross the line first. Rashid Ramsey of Bahrain was the gold medalist. Then Kiprop um, got elevated a year later when Ramsey tested positive. And he also run, won uh, three world titles as well, has been a constant figure in the 1,500-meter scene for years and years and years. But it didn't end there because that would be too easy, too neat, and too clean. We have a <laughs> strange story here, Jason, once the news broke. First with uh, Kiprop's defense. Uh, can you give the listeners, if they haven't read it yet, kind of the breakdown of what Kiprop said was the reason for the positive test? Yeah, so I'll go through like basically what I went through when I found this out. So I saw, you know, the the the, the tweets and then um I saw a BBC article basically, you know, where he was talking about um you know, he's he first of all he denied it just completely and he said, you know, I can't go out in public and perception has changed these things. I'm traumatized. I will fight to prove my innocence. Uh and you know, so I mean, I've always liked Asbel Kiprop. I like most <laughs> track and field athletes. But I was like, oh, that's a bummer. And he said he was, um, you know, set up and sabotaged, if you will. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I believe the sabotage story as much as I believe anyone who says a sabotage story, which is probably like 5 
to 10%, just how vehemently he, he was like denying it. I was like, well, there's always the chance, right? Like, yeah, track and field is a shady area where things can happen. So I was like, well, something could have happened. Probably not. Almost certainly not. But I don't want to, you know, say that there's no chance. And then I read his statement on Facebook, which is quite long, 20 points of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically went through and said, you know, these, these uh, testers came to his house. They gave him um, a heads up the day before, which they're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then when they came to his house, they, uh, according to Facebook, asked for some money. And, but they didn't say how much. And Asbel did not ask how much. He just gave them some money without asking any questions whatsoever. And then he said he went to the bathroom, left his sample there, thought it might have been tampered with in the few minutes he was gone and before it was sealed up. And uh, so basically, I went from like, oh, damn, Asbel is tested positive. This sucks. Well, he's really denying it. Like, maybe, you know, there's that 5 to 10% chance, like, he's actually innocent. But then the way he wrote this up made me go, like, this doesn't add up at all. Like, I know, like, you know, the testing out there can be sketchy. It, anywhere can be sketchy. But I don't buy that these guys come to your door, um, ask you for money, and you have no follow-up questions whatsoever. You just immediately give them money uh, and don't think twice about it. And and he also said he didn't think the money was in any way connected to giving him an advance on the testing notice. So I don't know. I mean, maybe Asbel Kiprop is the nicest person in the world. And if you ask him for money, he just says, okay, yeah, for sure. And does it. Uh, but I, I don't really buy that. Right. And it's almost like the defense is so bad that you believe it. Because if he was making it up, he would have come up with a better story. And But it also it doesn't prove anything, really. Like, there's no, like, and then they told me if they didn't give me any more money that they would tamper with my sample, right? That, like it's missing that, that That's, link there. That yeah. is very strange. And the AIU, the athletics integrity unit responded to this and said, well, first of all, it's bad that he was given the heads up and that never should have happened. Yeah. But they're like, well, in this case, him getting the heads up wouldn't have caused a false positive. So right. that doesn't matter. And they, you know, they disputed all these things and said, you know, the the B sample came back positive as well. So they're they're moving ahead with it. The other part I didn't understand is that he said the IAAF tried to get him to confess and then make him an ambassador. Did you read that part? Yeah. Which I did mean, that I get they... lost in translation? Like he was gonna <laughs> he was gonna basically plead guilty, be publicly known as a cheater, and then. They were going to make him an ambassador? I thought at that point I was missing something entirely. I didn't get it. Yeah, I was wondering if that was kind of a thing like, oh, okay, you say you did it, but then you you name names and you you know do the thing that tries to make the sport cleaner overall. Okay. And, so, so, and then we lessen your sentence by six months from whatever years to, you know, that. Yeah. Uh, at least that's what I was kind of taking from it. Yeah, it, it, the thing about his his Facebook post, it makes him look too benevolent and too, too like just completely innocent. Like, because like, Hey, he, there's, there's still that possibility that he was set up in some way, but I know 
I know. I, I don't know, but I do know. There's no chance that the criminal guys who want to bribe you come up and say, hey, give us some money and don't specify amount. You immediately give them money. They don't say anything else about it and then spike your test to make it positive. Like that that's never happened in the history of crime. So I <laughs> unless Athletics Kenya like well, is you know like their their ignorance in everything else has led to bad criminal activity, like I don't buy this. Like I I could at least like fathom these guys come up say, "Hey, we warned you about the test. Why don't you give us some money?" Mm-hmm. And so Aswell goes, "You know what? Like I didn't ask to be warned about the test, but this is the easiest way to make this go away. I give them X amount of dollars. Uh, then they come back and go, hey, that's not good enough. And then Asbo goes, hey, I didn't even ask for this. Screw you guys. Like, get out of here. And then they spike him. Like, at least that's like a believable story. Like, what, what he wrote up here, though, I, I can't see any situation where this actually happens. Well, he's painting a picture of the worst extortion artist of all time. Like, yes. they're not doing a very good job if their goal is extortion here, which is why I'm thinking either it's completely wrong and a lie or there's some like missing part here and i saw i think it was either athletics kenya or the anti-doping agencies in kenya said like the people he mentioned as the people coming and doing the test like they're not even they weren't even like listed Hmm. that they weren't they weren't employees so i have no idea what is going on at this point I, i mean there's so much chaos here you need to investigate it you need um to look into it, but the facts as they are right now is you have a three-time world champion and an Olympic champion and the best 1,500-meter runner by far of this era has mm-hmm. a positive A sample and a positive B sample and is the guy who is with the agent who has overseen the positive samples of the athletes who have the positive samples of Jemima Sumgong and Rita Jeptu, the two most recent highest-profile you know, Kenyan positives. Which yeah is not grant is not currying any favor or goodwill towards Kiprop at all. So I mean I think this might be you know in the long the long and storied history of this podcast <laughs> said no podcaster ever nor should they <laughs> but we've we've been around for our fair share of failed drug tests and some have yes. some have been enormous. And turned into gigantic stories that altered the sport and people's perception of the sport. I'm talking about the test, not our discussion of it. Our discussion, right. it did nothing to help that. <laughs> or, or there's been some that have come up and basically nothing has come of it, right? Like, you know, either it was explained away. Uh, and I'm not even talking about peripheral issues. I'm talking about actual, like, you know, failed drug tests or things like that. Like, we thought this was going to be some huge moment and there wasn't. So... I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just the fact that Kiprop is this prominent of an athlete makes it a huge deal. And it's, again, it's sad. Um, not sad that he get got caught. Sad that this happens. But there's enough dysfunction that we know about within the sport in that country that you, you at least have to give it a reading, which I think and probably explains why you gave it a 5%, 10% chance of being true, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just, and so like there's, like I said, there still is that possibility that something happened, but to me, there's no possibility that in some aspect, Asbel Kiprop is, is not lying. Like he is, he's lying about something. I don't know what it is. Either he 
you know, knowingly did DPO and got caught, or he's lying about part of this story because it just doesn't add up. Like the odds of all of this being true, like his whole Facebook post and everything attached to it is like so minuscule. Like I, I can't possibly buy that that's happening. So he might be more innocent than we're led to believe. You know, I'm still leaving that tiny percent because I always think that's, as long as someone's denying it, like I'm going to give them the smallest margin. Mm-hmm of my trust because I'm a sucker and that's just kind of the world I live in. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it and, and cause I want it. Like I, I don't want him to test positive. Like yeah. I, I like a world where Asbel Kiprop is, is a clean athlete and he's a fun athlete and he's super fun to watch because he's entirely unpredictable. He might run one of the five best times you've ever seen, or he might start in last and then go into first and then finish fifth. Like he's the sports better with him than without him. But yeah, I don't know, you know what you do with this. That unpredictability though also doesn't really hold up well upon further reflection. (laughs) Why was he really great one month? And then really, we are, I mean, you could look at the innocent response of like, Oh, it's a, crazy event and he's in he has, he uses unconventional race tactics or you could look for um i guess nefarious motives there as well and because he's been so successful i mean this just you start taking him out of results which yeah. again that's that's a little you know premature as well too because you don't know when like i just saw it to, you know, some gongs keeping her Olympic gold medal. She tested positive in 17 and she's keeping her medal from 16. So, right. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'd be shocked if anything goes back that far with, with Kiprop. But I mean, Centro finished runner up to him in, was it, in th- it was in 13, right? Centro was runner up, I believe. I mean, there's just so many big meets that this guy was a part of. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. It will, you know, yeah, depending what they, how far they go back and all that. I mean, they have samples and stuff from those tests. Uh, we we know because people get busted eight years after the fact all the time. Um, yeah. I mean, another part, you know, of his Facebook, I was just looking over that again, where he talks about, you know, he gets busted in November, uh, six months before his next race. And he's like, that wouldn't be a good time to dope. And it's like, that's, so a, that's not, that's that's a terrible. Yeah, don't do that excuse because people dope in the off season all the time. And they say there's long lasting effects, BPO and all that. So throw that away completely. Um, it was, yeah, it was one of the things that like the, his, his, his initial statements of just, you know, uh, I, I, you know, this is, I can't believe this is happening. All that stuff. Like that's what appeals to my sucker side where I want to believe everything. But yeah. then the more I read, the more I'm just like, I'm sorry, man, you're not really convincing me. Well, that's that's a good point because that was a weird thing to throw out there. The other the other weird thing to throw in there was like, and they gave me notice of the test. It's like you're trying to work the refs here, right? But like, they already gave you. I mean, you're, they gave you a heads up, right? So they were trying to help you out, and then you're kind of flipping it around and saying, "Oh, this just shows. Look how corrupt these people are." But that doesn't really that doesn't really help you long term because people are going to ask, "Well, how did you?" If you did this in 2017, have you been doing this your whole career? And and if so, right. if so, you ju- you've just created a pretext for why you've never tested positive your entire career. Now, I don't think legally, I, I don't know if they'll be able to introduce that, but that's what he's essentially done 
is, is basically said, this is how I've gotten away with it all these years, um, is through this method. And I think he did that unwittingly because I think what he was trying to do was to say, oh man, these guys are terrible at their jobs. And then I tried to give them money on this, For some reason, this app and they didn't tell me how much money to give them. And then they got mad and they didn't ask for more money. They just spiked my sample. Also, I don't know. We got to get a drug testing person on here too. Like the amount of time he was away. I mean, I, I'm just, you could tamper with a sample in a, in a matter of moments, but I mean, what would you need to put in a urine sample? It was urine, right? Not blood. Yes. I believe it was urine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what, he talks about going to the bathroom and yeah. Yeah. Like what do you put in that to test positive for, for any, for any drug test, I guess. I don't know. Like, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if they have just, I mean, high level of sophistication here. of EPO. I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I, it's a, it's a great question. That just kind of leads to more questions. So, um, yeah, just, just stay tuned. Yeah. Just bummed until, until then. <sighs> yeah. This one was bad. This one was a bad one, Jace. Not gonna lie. A little upset about this one. Yeah. I mean, that hurts that, uh, you know, anytime, I mean, you don't want any positive tests, obviously, but that's not a world that we can live in with, with track and fields testing. Um, but you really don't want like the stars, um, you know, just cause it, it like, you, like you mentioned it, it's every big meet for the past 10 years, almost he has been, whether he's won or not, he's been a part of, and it does do some yeah. shake up to, to everything. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's brutal. I wanted to read this. I don't know. Did you see the Nick Willis quote? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, so this is from a New Zealand Herald article because Willis, obviously, you know, he was, he was bronze initially in that race. So yeah, working his way up. He could, yeah, he's going to win every, every event. Um, he says, so they asked him about it and obviously he's been around for a long time, just like Kiprop's been around a long time. Um, he says, uh, that Beijing race is still the highlight of my sporting career. I couldn't have been any more joyful than I was that day. That was an amazing experience, and that's what brought us, he and his family, to peace many years ago in the sport. Potentially people left and right of you could be doping, but that's irrelevant because you're trying to get the most out of yourself. Otherwise, it makes you angry or bitter, and you can't perform to your best. I want to be able to run free- freely with joy uh, in my future race in, uh, races and have fond memories rather than a sour taste in my mouth. There have been times in my uh, career when I have had a cynical approach, but I've been free of that since about 2015. I mean, what a great perspective. How right? do you not like Nick Willis? Jesus, <laughs> that's, that's about as, um, you know, because I, I, I don't like when people just, just generally throw shade. And hey, when someone tests positive, like you can throw as much sure. shade as you want, and I, I will not judge you. Um, but yeah, that's about as perfect as a response as you could possibly have right i mean like and there's not i don't think there's a lot of people who don't like nick willis to begin with like yeah how would you not but um yeah yeah just just he has yeah i don't know if he'll end up with the gold but yeah yeah i wouldn't be mad if he did if if this turns out to all be true yeah he had every reason there to pile on yep or to to make a derisive comment and he didn't really he didn't in that quote, he's not taking the high road just for show, just to show he's this enlightened person. Like he's actually he's approaching the the topic here with um, like a nuance and a perspective uh, that I think is, uh, I mean, absolutely admirable. 
in, yes. in, in this situation. Uh, I mean, and again, I don't begrudge anybody who would have reacted much more negatively towards the person that they felt cheated them. But basically, bas- I mean, what Kiprop's saying is it's irrelevant, right? Whether he did or whether he didn't, it doesn't matter because he's come to peace with, with this fact. Which, and we talked about, anytime we talk about doping, we always talk about there's, I mean, there's cheaters in all walks of life. So it, it, it doesn't make sense that there would be a completely clean sport because in, yeah. every, in any other aspect of your life, there's people who are going to be cheating. And I think all of us in some, now this, this is a lot more public and probably a lot more you know, visceral if you're competing it with, 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 the, with the guy. But what, what Willis has come to um, realize, I think, is just um, very, very impressive to say the least. I mean, I think people could emulate this in, in, in any walk of life. I think any job or any endeavor that they have in, in their life of just, you know, kind of the cliche is they just stay, you run your own race, you stay in your own lane. And I think in this case it was, uh, is pretty appropriate. Yeah. And then I think that's, I mean, he, he, you know, he said it a thousand times better and, and from someone who's actually truly affected by it, um, you know, better than you could ever hope. Uh, which, I mean, you know, it's always been my thing where, Hey, I'm going to root for everybody, like for crazy performances. And if I look like an idiot later, that's fine. Like, I don't mind. Cause I, cause I don't want to live in that cynical bubble where yeah, immediately after great performances or, you know, something incredible happens, I don't want to have to go, well, that's probably going to go away in the next few years. Like, yeah. like that's just, that, to me, that's not a fun way to appreciate the sports. Um, so, so I, I, you know, I just kind of embrace it mm-hmm. and, and just go with it. And which, you know, like I said, I, I could look like an idiot, and I, but it's, it's still, that's, I, if not, I don't think you can really enjoy anything. Yeah, not just sports, for sure. Yeah. Let's get to the results of the week. Um, we got Galen Rupp running 206.07 in Prague. Yeah. 20 that's... days, 20 days after. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, 206.07. I mean, that, this is much more in the line of where we expected he could run. Like if he got in a, a fast race, you know, that wasn't mm-hmm. loaded up and, and Hey, I mean, you throw him in a, a Berlin or London type scenario. I mean, London obviously can go out way too fast and can throw off everything, but can if you continually does. <laughs> right. But you know, if you, if you are specifically aiming for a fast type of race that is rabbited and that, Unlike Prague, maybe has you know a few other elites that you could actually mm-hmm. run with through thirty five plus k. Um, you know, I, 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 this is more what I would expect. I think Rub could get in the two hundred fives, but two hundred six hundred seven makes a lot more sense as his PR than whatever it was two hundred nine or whatever nine. it was. Yeah, yeah, we're all four PRs that make sense. Um, faster than Farah now. Yeah, that's true. That's uh. And, and I, you know, I think they both could, you know, I, I man, I go back for, I, I mean, Galen has proven, well, I guess you could say he's proven more at the marathon. <laughs> Farrow just ran a very, very impressive London marathon. Right. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, I mean, if you had to buy full stock for the next, let's say three years in the marathon, do, do you like, do you like Rupp or Farrah? Three years. I would probably go. I'd probably go Farah. Well, Rupp's younger. That's true. I might go Farah just because 
he's only done two, so you could hold out that he's going to get even. Like, Rupp's stock price currently has to be higher than Farah's, right? I mean, he's won a major, and he has an Olympic medal. Right, and yeah, I guess he's, he's you know, dipped further into the marathon than Farah yeah. has at this point. Um, now I'm still... Yeah, I mean, it, it's you, you can't go wrong, obviously. I, I'm still maybe this, the tiniest bit higher on Farah's ceiling. Yeah. You know, I mean, neither of these guys is, you know, going to get Kipchoge level. But, um, you know, they could, they could both be in that conversation for, you know, with 10 other guys for, for the second, third best guys in the, you know, in the world. How excited are you for the 2020 Olympic marathon? Oh, that'd be just, yeah, phenomenal. Like, I'm hoping, obviously, they both... And, and they, you know, yeah, that Farah is much older, or not much older, but he's, you know, he's older. Like, but we're seeing, you know, more guys kind of stick around longer. Um, yeah, I think they'll both be still plenty, plenty good by then. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. Well, we I'm, probably won't see them match up before then. That that was my other point: is the chance of them racing again. What do you do now? So, you're right that this performance seemed in line. It was almost predictable in a way. You you forgot all about Rupp's issues in boston you're like yeah 206 that makes sense like and you, and you watch him run it's like oh that's the same rup that won the olympic trials that's the same rup that won in chicago and was second like he just was steady the entire yeah. way and the better weather and and the pacing obviously were very helpful i wonder what does he do now like what do you do if you're and the fact i mean the fact that you could do that 20 days after well, that's the thing. Dropping really, out. Yeah. But see, look, and, and I think we're, we might be stumbling on something. I mean, we're probably late to the game on this. But, I mean, remember I kept saying last year with the wet shins yeah. in, in, in Berlin, it dropped out at 30K and then came back at New York. And we're like, oh, he may not run. And he ran fine. Yeah. So I think there's that 30K threshold, you know, or before 20 miles at least, where if, if you're a elite runner and – you're not going out insanely fast. Well, I keep saying we're not insanely fast. I just, I just think you can drop out and then bounce back relatively quickly. It's those last, you know, eight to six to eight miles that really do the damage, that really take the toll on people's legs. Except if your name's Yuki Kawauchi, right? That that allow you not to, not to bounce back quickly. But this, this looked, yeah, it's looked almost preordained. Like as soon as he got out there running, like oh yeah, he's he's not gonna have any problem with this pace. Um, I guess the marathon is not this as intimidating a beast as it as it used to be to oh avoid at all costs. Like no, they're just like him and Salazar were like yeah, didn't go well. We'll just do another one as if it was a ten k. Like right. <laughs> what yeah, do you think I mean, he does he, in the fall though? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I mean, I was thinking. So you know, twenty days before, I mean, I guess you know that hey, that he Boston was his last long run before Prague, basically. Yeah. Um But it also it makes me wonder that much more if. You know the the two marathons a year is too cautious. Yeah, and, and you know maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it, but we, you know we've been talking about it for a while now. Where hey, you know I don't think it's people should run like Yuki Kawauchi. I, I think he is a a absolute freak who I adore. Um, but I don't think most people could survive doing yeah. that. Um, but I still think maybe maybe the magic number is somewhere in three or four. Yeah, as opposed to as opposed to two. Um, as far as the fall, uh, yeah, I mean, does he does he run New York? I mean, that seems like. Well, let, let's. What would you like to see him 
do? And then what do you think he's going to do? I think he's going to run New York, if I had to guess. Um, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I'm intrigued by him getting in a really fast race. I mean, he just ran 206 by himself. Well, mostly by himself, at least for the last, what, 5 to 10K, somewhere in that range. Um, So, you know, but I I do want to see him kind of face up against, I mean, I don't think he can beat, I think he can beat just about anyone in the world besides one person. Um, so I, it's, it's tough. Cause I'm trying to figure out exactly like what, you know, what I want to see him prove. Yeah. Because obviously he's done so many things. Winning New York is a bigger deal than winning Chicago. Um, without question, you know, that's a bit, a, a tougher marathon. Um, he's already won 206. You know, do, do I kind of want to see like, Hey, how fast can he go if he runs Berlin in the yeah. fall? Yeah, I kind of do. Um, so I, I mean, Berlin or New York, I, I, I mean, does it, there's nothing else he would do, right? He could defend in Chicago. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, and they're, I'm sure they'll offer him a big check. Yeah, I w- because, yeah, I think, part of me thinks Farah's going to go to Chicago. Hmm. Gonna, I think Farah might go to Chicago, and then I think Rupp is going to either go to Berlin or New York, and I'm inclined to think Berlin and and just and just and go for the American record, you know. Go and not just the Khalid Kanuchi record, but go for the Ryan Hall fastest time on a non-eligible <laughs> record. <laughs> the please save us from this record, right? Like the two hundred four fifty-eight. Yeah, he I, could go. He could do that. I mean, like it, it per, obviously perfect race, perfect everything. Yeah, like I'm not. He he could he could run two hundred four thirty like that. I, I'd be surprised if he's much faster than that. Like. If you know, if if all of a sudden he broke two hundred four, like I'd be like, holy crap, this is insane. But yeah, I think he could get he could get close to that whole time, and it, it like I said in a perfect race. Well, because you look at you know twenty 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 is going to be all trials and then Olympics, so mm-hmm. really he has three more marathons. He's got fall twenty eighteen, and then the two marathons in in twenty nineteen. Yeah, and then the next time he'll get a shot at a fast marathon would be like spring 2021 really unless he go unless he doubles back and does like the olympics in 2020 and then does like another like another fall marathon but right 2021 i mean how old is he by that i mean that's a bunch more marathons in your legs so i I think if i plotted out what he would do between now and the olympic trials i would say he would go um berlin this fall uh, and then in the spring, does he go back to Boston in the spring? You got to, right? I think he has to. Yeah. Yeah. Then he, then he goes, maybe he goes Boston. Um, well then he, no, he'll probably skip the fall. Right. Wouldn't he? Because 2020, the Olympic trials are on leap year day. So February, end of February, you're not going to want to do November and then come back in February. So Berlin's then he'd either earlier though. Right. So maybe he yeah. runs New York this year and then Boston, oh. Berlin next year. That Something like that. I mean, or, obviously, trying to predict what he's going to do is, is, but like it. I mean, ideally, he runs those three marathons as his next three marathons, whatever order he wants to do them. Well, yeah. obviously, Boston has to be in the middle, but uh, yeah, I, I hope he doesn't do you know New York, Boston, New York, or Berlin, Boston, Berlin. Like I, I'd, I'd like to see all three of those kind of on the table, which seems to make the most sense. But I. Eh. 
Yeah, and I don't really want to see him. See, I don't want to see him in London. I mean, we know how that's going to go. I mean, I would. I, I, I think it would be interesting, and uh, I mean, I'd be surprised, I guess, if he, you know, if everybody else is going out in sixty-one, if he was just like, nope, sixty-two, fifteen. I'll see you guys, yeah. you know. But uh, it, it, of course, I want him in London because I just want everyone in London for the greatest marathon field ever assembled. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people miss that fall one. Like going into the Olympic year, a lot of people just skip that entirely. So if that's the case, then there's really only two more marathons until, right? the The Olympics, Chicago, though. I mean, defending champion. You're right. That's the big, that's a big check. Yeah. I I I, I just think he sees. Oh, two, man, I ran two hundred six oh seven, twenty days after getting hypothermia and having my asthma flare up, like with a with like a proper build up and an even faster course, I can get the American record. And I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to get an American record, because then. If he retires with the American record in the 10,000, the American record in the marathon, a silver medal, a bronze medal, and then whatever he gets in 2020, that's a good, it's a pretty good resume. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, yeah, I would be, I'd be up for that. Let's, let's sign up for that right now. <laughs> Doha. 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 What'd you think? Doha was, was good. Doha was very good. I mean, it, you know, we talked about, hey, there was five, six races that were, you know, legitimately interesting for a lot of different reasons. And most of them kind of lived up, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, you had no Lyles run mm-hmm. 1983, um, beating out, you know, the world champion somehow, uh, Dream <laughs> Richards and Ramil Guliev. But, uh, you know, DeGrasse was way back. He's still coming back a little bit, so it's fine. But, 20.46 i'm surprised he didn't win because that's usually the kind of time he wins the diamond league in and we <laughs> wonder how that happened <laughs> that's true his strategy didn't work this week yeah so but um so that, i mean that's obviously that's up there with the performance uh you have uh steven gardner mm-hmm. running 4387 now you know he's run 1975 and 4387 and you know we're in the beginning of may yeah um, he's, Good so point. he's he's behind you know he set uh, national records in both of those uh, mm-hmm. obviously looks, looks unbelievable. McWalla, you know, finished fairly far back. Um, but still, I mean, you're breaking 44 in early May. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, same thing with breaking 19.9 for, yeah. for, for Lyles. Um, he opened strong last year. Remember they got hurt and then came back at the end of the year. Mm. Um, I think it was in Shanghai last year when he ran really, fast so i mean not that not that surprising but dude we'll take anything we can get in 200 that event needs help i saw that van niekerk wants to come back july i wonder if he saw gardner really oh i did not see that july wow that'd be really quick he saw that he saw that 4387s like nope right so not happening not happening well you picked Um, him to run the fastest time in the world in the 400 this year right i did which prediction yeah i mean it's it's still it still could happen my theory yeah he comes comes back in july he could absolutely do it I just think he comes on late in the end and it's fresh and doesn't really mess with the 200 this year. Just wants to focus on the four. Yeah. I could, I, I could, you know, cause he doesn't want to complicate things too much. I'll stand by that. I could still see that, but that's a, that's a big time out of the gate for, uh, for Gardner. The men's, I mean, the distance races on the men's, well, both sides weren't as, 
I guess noteworthy. I mean, Manuel Carrera won the the eight hundred. Nobody went with the rabbit. Um, yeah, so one forty five. The fifteen hundred. Um, George Manigoy, brother of Elijah Manigoy, who's George Manigoy is seventeen. He he finished second to Tolusa, and they both ran fifteen or sorry three uh, three thirty five. There was a Diamond League record, which we didn't mention. Mm. Abdurrahman Samba of Qatar ran forty seven fifty seven in your favorite event, the foreign hurdles. Yes. Um, <laughs> women's sprints though were good too, right? I mean that 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 women's hundred was like loaded. A final of the world. I mean, Tolu, Okabare, Ohore, Thompson. And shippers, yeah, we just need Bowie in there, and you're pretty close. You're 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 pretty close to there. Tolu got the win. She set a P- PR to uh, ten eighty five. There was there was a women's race, distance race. It was really good. The fifteen hundred. I don't know what I was talking about. Semenya goes sub four. Yeah, for, for the first time. Uh, Three fifty nine ninety two. Looked like she was running the eight hundred, same style, laid back, and then obliterated the field in the last <laughs> hundred or, or one fifty. Um, but sh- yeah, that, that 1500 is going to get back to where it was last year. World championship status level, the 3000, not as fast. Uh, Caroline Kipkari won it. Simpson took the lead with two to go. That, so the pace wasn't there for that, that 825 that she needed for the American record. Yeah. But she's like, I don't give a crap about you rabbits. I'm like, going. <laughs> so she tried to do it herself. It's classic um, Simpson. Yeah. It was awesome. Very admirable. She held on for fourth in 8.30. I mean, at that point, it's like, well, maybe I'm not going to get the time. I'm going to go for the win. Or maybe you're like, I'm just going to go for the fastest time possible. Regardless, it made a it made a really cool race. Uh, and that's something we've come to. I mean, that's just like Jenny Simpson, right? In a nutshell, yeah. that race. Like, you could show somebody that race. Like, okay, that's that's how she does it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it was slow. So she didn't really have, you know, wasn't on pace at any point for the, for the record. But then, of course, she yeah, she makes it. She makes races better, no matter whether she wins them, whether she sets a PR, whatever. Like races are, races will always be for the better if Jenny Simpson is in them. High praise, and that's a lot. But that and that's and that's a few, you know, kind of middle dis. I mean, Laura Muir, I would certainly mm-hmm. say the same. Um, unquestionably, just makes it better. Like they're both among the best in the world as well. Even if you know they're, they don't have like that those superhuman PRs, mm-hmm. but like they're just the way they run, the the, the style, the just aggressiveness but also like i mean with simpson the the smarts too it, it's it's yeah next year we'll be releasing the list of people who make races worse according to jason yes so <laughs> stay tuned from that and it wouldn't be a diamond league without an awesome women's hurdle race of course I'm ex- harrison v mcneil this year like they those two have already separated from the field and someone else might join them mm-hmm. but that looks to be it it's not gonna be one person this year. That's my that's my thinking. Mm. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be both of them. We're gonna get a situation where there's gonna be two people running historically fast times and maybe getting out down into world record territory. I don't know. That's... Maybe I'm maybe I'm a little too premature with that, but they're both running fast and, and McNeil could have won the race. She hit her to late again. Yeah. Which is, she hit in at the Stanford invite her first race of the year, her first race since the Olympics. That's the same hurdle she hit, and she hit it hard. Like it threw her off. It wasn't like she just scraped it. She doesn't hit that hurdle. She probably wins the race. So I'm excited. It's not. I don't think we've had a situation where it's like two people going after it. Usually it's like one person versus the clock. And I'm 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 all for this. Yo, that's it's so much. I mean, it's it's amazing when somebody 
just single-handedly just takes over an event and completely mm-hmm. dominates, but it's infinitely better to get the the back and forth, you know, the, the heads-up battles. Uh, I don't know, like Barshim Bondarenko is, like, yeah. coming into my head. So, like, if we could get that for women's high hurdles this year, like, from that a few years ago, that would be that would be the best-case scenario. Christian Taylor versus P-Cubed. Yeah. Triple right. P. Merritt v. James back oh, in the that day. Was, that was the best. That was my favorite. Yeah. Mir v. Simpson v. Kipigon v. Hassan Dibaba, v. Dibaba. I mean, that was classic. The big six. Bowie v. Fraser Price. Um, Lolisa DeCisa v. His Shirt. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna let that one go, ever. Um, no. Let's. Do you have anything else on Doha, or do you want you want to talk about the Ingebrigtsens? Uh, yeah. Let's go straight to the Ingebrigtsens, I guess. I think, I think everything else was, you know, there's some other kind of normal things, but those were those were the big ones. Jacob Ingebrigtsen, man, 17 years old. Yeah, he looks 17 too. Uh, him and him and Mondo are on that all the all looks their exact age team. Yeah, but still super fast. He won the fifteen hundred Peyton Jordan. He beat Paul Chalimo and Matt Centrowitz. He yeah. ran three thirty nine fifty five last quarter and like put a gap on everybody else. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that More than a says, second. says it all right there. I mean that's um you know, Centro maybe not you know, he's not his his full self because, you know, he could generally go with 55 for the last lap. Um, and, you know, Chalima's out of his event, but you're 17 and you're going up against, you know, uh, Olympic champion and, uh, you know, uh, Olympic silver medalist and among other things. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's this family is... I just wish I had a little bit of Ingebrigtsen, like, somewhere in me. This would be awesome. Don't we all have right? Ingebrigtsen <laughs> ourselves? Uh, it was, yeah, it was remarkable to watch because you just pulled away and you waited for somebody to reel him back in, and it and it didn't happen. It's it's rare to see a fifteen hundred race at I mean at that level with that quality and have one person dominate by that much over the last lap. It wasn't like oh one guy followed the rabbit and they held on. It's like he just distanced everybody and his brother you mentioned it was a family thing yeah his brother hendrick wins the 5000 in a really competitive race with riley masters so all i mean all told the ingerbritson just ran roughshod over the united states and canada (laughs) yeah that's pretty i mean that's pretty insane to have yeah the two brothers win the 15 and the five and not in like a random meet but like a meet with like good competition Mm-hmm. Uh, in both races, and that's yeah, that's just really, really cool. It's I'm, I I'm a fan of these guys. They got that reality show, too. and the fastest one wasn't even there, the right? middle one. Yeah, Philip yeah, didn't. Even, Philip scratched. So come on, Philip, <laughs> you got to get back out there, dude. Got to win a different event somehow than the fifteen and the five. Yeah, yeah. Get your steeplechase game going. I'm, I mean. What's the more impressive? Is it is who's the more impressive seventeen year old right now? Is it Philip or is it George Manigoy? Yeah. Or sorry, uh, not Philip. Jacob Ingebrigtsen or George Manigoy? <sighs> By the way, two seventeen year olds both have Fred Curley type nineteen twenties <laughs> era names 
Philip and or sorry, Jacob and Jacob and George. Right. That's. And then you have Mondo Duplantis, who sound like he's from the year twenty two thirty five. Mondo Duplantis is it? Was that RoboCop? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly like you're just like, oh, that's clearly from the future. So, yeah. I mean, I know he's eighteen, so he's a little old for this conversation somehow. Um, yeah. But. <laughs> Mono Duplantis is both the hero and the villain in the next, like, teenage post-apocalyptic dystopian novel, like <laughs> Maze, Maze Runner or what's the one? Um, uh, Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hunger Games. And Vaulting would help him in that, too, because that's it's a very cutthroat. It's a good point, yeah. Cutthroat activity. Uh, Mondo vaulted, what do you go, 593 now? Who would you who would you least like to be? Yeah, two choices. Okay. Okay. The second best pole vaulter in the state of Louisiana between the years of high school pole vaulter between the years of what's this twenty eighteen uh twenty fourteen and twenty eighteen right uh or the second best four, women's four hundred meter runner in New Jersey <laughs> between the ages of. What, when she graduated, seventeen. Uh, uh, between the years of twenty thirteen and twenty seventeen, who's unluckier historically? It's a good. It's a very good question. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the the result sheet from Mondo Duplantis. You know, five ninety three. Uh, second place, four fifty five. So yeah, holy crap! I mean, twenty five percent, basically lower. And it's a teammate, apparently, Odinette Elijah. Uh, so even at his own school, mm-hmm. he's you know finishing second at state but losing by just all of the distance like i mean just that's 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 a pretty tough draw god is there anything worse than being second best best <laughs> yeah i mean that's I, but at the same time like man that's got to be really cool like even if you go i finished second to state it's like oh that's that's awesome like who beat you well He's gonna be in the olympics and he's one of the he's best already in the been world in the olympics right now. yeah he's like literally he's, in the he's already like one of the top couple guys in the world yeah like that's just yeah i mean what do you do with that well that's the the correct answer is being second to mondo because you go out and then you can at least watch him and you have a great seat to watch him racing sydney you're not i guess i mean you can watch her from behind but right she's running away really from quickly. you <laughs> yeah but it's like you have to focus on your own race so i mean i would i would probably rather just get beat in the pole vault do you know what the top um, pole vault mark is in the NCAA this year? I do not, but I guess in, it's lower than 593. 586. Wow. Yeah. And he's going to college next year, right? Yeah, he's going to LSU. His brother's on the baseball team at LSU. Mm, that's right. So another another family there that just didn't get enough genes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Athletically. I'm looking at the uh, top. So 595. Renault did 595 when he was in um out in out in austin here so duplantis is the second best in the world mm. like okay so put this in perspective let's take another second best in the world mark so imagine jason you're lining up for the state meet in the and let's say we run the 1500 not the mile right. let's just say 1500 um and you're lined up next to a guy who also has the second best time in the world that year. So you're lining up next to a guy who's run 334 in the 1500. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so absurd just to like 
I mean, at the time, I would have loved to do it just because I was like, this is fun. Like, I, and I, yeah. I would have been like happy because I'm like, oh, I know I don't go out too fast. Like, I <laughs> do my pace really well. So I'm like, I want to see, I want to see some people go with them and I can just <laughs> destroy them on the third lap when they're completely unconscious. Mondo, man. Uh, that's unbelievable. That's not fair. Um, couple, well, do you want to talk about Shanghai Diamond League? On Saturday this weekend, I'll be I'll be in Bloomington, Indiana, for the Big Ten Outdoor Championships. Oh, so, nice! People want to hear my voice for hours and hours. I'll be on the call. They listen to this podcast. That's pretty. Yeah, yeah but this time I'll be like talking about people race like in the moment running, not like ret- like not in retrospect. Ryan Fett and I will be out there doing the call, so nice. people can check that out on Flowtrack. But there's a there's a Diamond League as well on Saturday in Shanghai. Did you get? I know Christian Coleman withdrew it's from this field. Yes. Do you want? He would have won this. He would have dominated this hundred. I'm going to say that. Really? Who's in it? DeGrasse, uh, Gatlin, which I expect. I think Gatlin's going to win this race, but it's hard and hard to know for sure. Obviously, it's early. Uh, Guliev running the hundred. So mm-hmm. what's 2011 converted to the 100? Because that's what he's going to run. Um, <laughs> you got Sue from uh, from China. You got Uja. Yes. Uh, you got Young. Uh, it's 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 a. I mean, like the whole field basically. You know, you got a bunch of guys who can run nine nine or better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good. I mean, I would guess Gatlin just because he probably has the highest floor of everybody. Yeah. So I'd expect like he still could do this, but I would have loved to see Coleman in this race because I, I think obviously he ran indoors and he, we saw how great he was indoors. So I think he mm-hmm. could have run something really good, you know, even this early. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, what else was I looking at? Because there were a couple couple in here. Uh, in the in the high hurdles for the men, you have uh Merritt uh and McLeod, and then you also have the throwbacks of Ortega, Parchment, Chubankov. I mean, that's that's Ooh. pretty good. Um, I like it. Yeah, guys who we've, you know, been talking about for forever, basically. Um, so that's that's pretty solid. Uh, what else was what else good? I like how every event is sponsor, has a sponsor name next to it, which is always interesting. Oh, really? Um, the Nike Men's 1500 is uh, basically loaded up with Kenya. And then on top of that, you have a Geeter and Blankenship and Woday. Um, 15's always... I mean, there's always a ton of 1500-meter runners. The women's high hurdles... Shocker is loaded because it always Who's, is. Who we got? Uh, you have you have Harrison and McNeil in there, and then you also have uh, Nelvis, uh, Harper, Stowers. We'll see uh, if my theory plays out. Let's see if I can get two. Uh, let's see if my theory doesn't die before the end of the month. Of which the, uh, would be the ultimate <laughs> Kevin Sully special of it being dead before the the show after we started this. Um, <laughs> and then also, uh, men's four is actually really. Man, this might be the my favorite event of this whole meet. Uh, you have Gardner in there. You have Curly, McWalla, uh, Thebe, Norwood, Christian Taylor. Why not? Uh, Whoa, really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. M- Michael Cherry, Haroon. Like th- this, this four hundred, I think is the is is the. I mean, there's like I said, other good events, but that's that's my number one. Would you say it's a blue ribbon event? I meet? would say it's the blue ribbon event. Absolutely. <laughs> the Jason's Blue Ribbon Four Hundred. <laughs> Oh, and then the fi- uh, last one, I promise. Uh, Blue ribbon is is strong. Uh, you have Chalimo, uh, Gebra Meskel, Gebruet, um, Kiprutu, Rop, um, Galen Rop. 
Galen Rop or Albert Rop. Um, Rope? I don't know. No, it's Rop. You're right. Okay, I thought so. Being silly. Uh, And Edris. So that's, yeah, Chalimo matched up against a bunch of great Ethiopians, uh, a few Kenyans. So, yeah, another, I mean, Diamond League, like it's, you know, I make fun of the song, but uh, consistently just four or five races that you definitely want to watch. That's the tagline. Right? I mean, like, that's that's more than you can ask for from... I mean, most meets, you're going to get, you know, two, two or three, maybe. Like, yeah. I mean, this is this is uh, already... I'm Doha and, and Shanghai. We're already... We're, we're, we're killing it. Before we get to emails and voicemails, one other story I wanted to touch on. Remember, there was a controversy about the non-elite finishers in the Boston Marathon women's division who yes. were not getting prize money because they weren't part of the elite field. They're running with a different section. The BAA reversed course last week and decided to to shell out the money for those top women finishers, even if they didn't finish with the... Or even if they didn't start with the um, elite field. Um, what do you think of this decision? Yeah, I, I think it's the right decision just because there was some bad press and overall it's not a ton of money. Um to, but I mean, not that. Not like was it a good PR decision? I'm talking about yeah. in terms of like okay. Dis, if, well, yeah, take that out. It's of an it. obvious right PR decision. Um, well, first of all, the, the takes out there that like somehow the race was sexist or there was something terrible. Like, yeah, those are the worst takes of the year. Congratulations, you you're you don't understand how sports work. Good for you. Um, so I did not have a problem with it. Like there are very clearly, like this was all drawn out in the rules. This wasn't like a surprise. Yeah. It's like, hey, you have to qualify with this time to get in the elite race. And I don't have any problem whatsoever if there is an elite race that happens to go a little slower. And then if you're in the regular field and say you have your friend pace you, yeah. your male friend pace you through the whole thing and you happen to finish top five, that's not the same thing as being in the race. Like it's, right. it's just not. Um, I'm happy that, these, you know, it's, it's, it's also not these women's fault at all, uh, mm-hmm. that they were put in this position. So I'm happy they're getting paid, but the people who were, you know, causing, you know, faint outrage about just something that was very obvious why it happened. Yeah. Um, they didn't understand. Like, they didn't, yeah. Just like take two seconds to realize the actual rules and like grow up a little bit. Cause well, like, I read some terrible takes about that. And, yeah. So did I. And this year of all years. Starting separately impacted the race dramatically, <laughs> right? Because because of how the weather was. So yeah. you're right. The rule is there. The rule is spelled out. But more importantly, it's a good rule and it's a good procedure. It's good that the elite women have their own stage and they're out there starting a half hour before the men. That's the right way to do it. Yeah. Now, once in a blue moon, when you get the freak weather that you did and everybody drops out can this happen sure but it's not people are like well how do you fix this for the future it's it's not this is not gonna it's happen not a problem really yeah and and to say it's gonna happen is like a kind of a disservice and a and a quite frankly jason blatant disrespect to the elite women out there who make lebron this. james <laughs> yeah and lebron james no it, it's like saying that this is gonna happen all the time is is just so far off base. So 
You know, well, it's you happened need so it. many times since we started the show, Kevin. I mean, I mean, how many times have we talked about this every year? No. So if you want, no, no years. Uh, I mean, we talked about it happening with Wesley Career in the in the men's race in Chicago. But I mean, Wesley Career was like he should have been with the elite field. That's different right. than like everybody dropping out. So yeah, what you have here is, is people not understanding it, and they took a policy that was designed for. Uh, equity amongst mm-hmm. male and female, and then turned around on its head and made it something that was problematic. When that's not it, like the last thing you want is a mixed race, everybody starting together situation. Can you imagine trying oh, to c- follow the women's disaster. field? Yeah, I mean, and uh, one of the articles I read, like they spelled out all of the logistical reasons why you do this because you want to give the elite race, especially the women's race a fair shake at the bottles, right? All the fueling yep. stations, um, you know, cameras, a lead bike, all that stuff needs to be in position. Not to mention the fact that you need to make the pacing somewhat fair, right? Or, or lack of pacing that fair. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing. And I, I, it's one thing I really like about major marathons, the ones that do it, is, is the separate start. I think it, it drastically improves the viewing experience, I think it drastically improves the the competition aspect of it. So, I mean, if they want to pay them, fine. That's great. I guess, you know, more people getting money to run. That's awesome. I don't think this was the, the grave injustice that people were making it out to be. I mean, people are going to get – It's were they getting rid of the money or was the money just going to go to the next best elite woman who happened to be slower than the other woman? I'm guessing that's what happened, right? Like it right. just went to the next one. So. Yeah, if, I mean, if it happens again, I guess you you pay them just to to avoid the, all the articles um, coming out. But it's a different race; it's a different competition. If you want to be in that, you know, run faster, get selected, move up. Like the idea that running isn't enough of a meritocracy is kind of crazy. Because find me another sport, right? right. That allows for more. Um, of, of your own ability to dictate where you get placed. I mean, you, there, there isn't one out there. So is it perfect all the time? No, there's going to be these situations that, that crop up. But, you know, and, and the whole idea of dropping out to me is like, I mean, because a lot of these articles are written from the bent of like, and they beat all these elite women, which is true. But like, and you, that's, you know, someone dropped out, you beat them fair, you know, fair is fair. Like you definitely beat them. But like the whole, the whole rup thing here, just underscores why they do that. Right. right. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't Rupp's 206, 07. Like the, like that's the argument for dropping out. Right. From yeah. hence, from henceforth, <laughs> you know, Kip saying in New York too, but like, that's the argument for dropping out. He sticks in that race. He gets 10th, 11th, whatever he wins. A couple of that. Like, what does he gain from that at this point in his career? And most of those elites at that point in their career, they have way more to gain from dropping out and trying to race again than they do from sticking in, damaging their body further, getting a tiny fraction of the money that they thought they were going to get and not being able to race again. So, I'm, I mean, not, that doesn't, that again, that doesn't take away from the performances of the, the, the non-elites who beat the elites, but I think it puts in a little more of context of just like how it's a, a different race entirely with two competing goals, two different things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like saying the same as, I mean, you have the A and B heats or whatever of a semifinal 
to qualify for a final and one of them is crazy fast where the fourth place person would have won yeah. the B heat, but guess what? They didn't because it's a separate race. Like that's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's their, you know, the rules are in there for a reason. Like they make sense. It, so occasionally it's going to come back and be like, Oh, that didn't turn out the way we were hoping. Like that yeah. kind of looks bad, but it's like, no, they make sense. Like a lot of things in track and field and otherwise do not make sense. This is not, one of them yeah this is one of the things that was figured out (laughs) right they actually put some thought into this and did a good job for once let's give them credit yeah this was settled law this was not something that needed to be uh re-litigated at all and yet here we are all right let's go to emails and voicemails houseovernightgmail.com uh first up brian the emailer formerly from raleigh but now from pennsylvania he says hey guys i was incredibly disappointed to hear the news of Asbel Kiprop testing positive. Kiprop, like Rhodesian and Bolt, always appear to be freaks of nature. They're majestic. Cody Sark. Running form. And their talent from a young age gave me hope that they were clean. I certainly hope that I'm right about the other two. On a lighter note, Rupp looked great in Prague. He went to the lead several times, pushed the pace, and ratcheted down over the last few miles to crush the field. 206 has been long overdue. The American record is close. I would love to see Rupp in Berlin in the fall. Will he defend his title in Chicago or battle Cam War in New York? Cam Warren's mentioned defending his New York City Marathon title to close out the year, but nothing set in stone. I think we covered all the possible. It's a good matchup, though. Cam Warren, Rub. Yeah. You think? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it'd be terrible. I'm wrong. No, I would. I, I mean, if we're saying, if we're saying Rupp's one of the best in the world, but then we're also saying that, that Kipchoge is invincible, then it would have to be Cam Warren, right? Like, that's his... That's yeah, Cam Moore's in the. Uh, he's he does he is he in the two seat right now? Like is that that's probably yeah. the safest yep. bet, right? For sure. Uh, finally, Noel Lyles wrote a few weeks ago that I thought Michael Norman was a male equivalent to Sidney McLaughlin, but surely Lyles is the male male equivalent. If LaShawn Merritt decided not to double in Rio, Lyles would also be an Olympian. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Remember yeah, that's a good point. Trials? It's interesting to compare the two. In 2020, I could see both Lyles and McLaughlin winning gold, possibly Norman as well, as it remains to be seen how Wade Van Niekerk will recover from his injuries. I'd be interested to hear what Otto has to say about Lyles, Norman, McLaughlin. You guys should have to bring Otto back in the pod. He's spoken uh, before about Lyles, but it'd be interesting to hear his thoughts a year later on what he thinks about the other two. Uh, Brian, that is Brian, the email formerly from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Drink. Agreed. We do need to get Otto back on the show. Um yeah, and he's been beating the the Noel Isles drum for a while. Yeah. Like I mean, he, he way you know quite a while. He's been saying, "Hey, he's going to be the the two hundred guy." So mm-hmm. let's go to. We just got a couple here. Joe he said he started reading Alex Alex Hutchinson's new book, Endure, over the weekend. It's really good. I recommend it to anyone interested in sports performance. Is this a sponsored email, Joe? What's going on here? I assume <laughs> that everyone who listens to House of Run. Uh, one of the best anecdotes in it is about how Kipchoge had never been on a treadmill before he tried out for the Sub 2 project, and Nike had to throw out his data from his session on it because he was so awkward on it that the data was useless. <laughs> that's amazing. That's incredible. And that's a blessed uh, life to never have to run on the treadmill ever. Good for you, Ellie Kipchoge. For sure. I got to get Alex's book. I got to get reading. People are giving us a lot of homework here. Do this, do that. Right. Um, that's, you know, I like it. Vanessa wrote in with a guest recommendation as well, too. Um, let's go to Dan says, Hey guys, your conversation about relays at the beginning of of last show had me reminiscing about the strangest relay I've ever run in high school. Our track team attended a meet that boasted a four by 800 steeplechase relay. 
What? Yep, you heard that right. Our coach would take our foreign hurdler and our steeplechaser, then fill our team with mid-distance runners like me who were dumb enough to think it would be fun to run an 800 with a water pit. Nobody was really prepared for the combination of speed and hurdling this beast required. I almost lost the baton the first time I hit the water pit, but somehow we finished first because everyone else was just as unprepared as us. If you had to form a 4 by 8 steeple relay from current American athletes, who would be your four picks? Thanks, Keo, with the good work. That is Dan. <sighs> Really? I love the four by eight re- steeple relay. Like I, I would have jumped at the chance to join that in high school so fast. Uh, there's no shortage of people willing to hurt themselves in high school. That's what's yeah. great about it. Um, so American four by eight hundred steeple relay. Uh, well, I guess you got to go Jagger, right? I mean, that's even though he's, I mean, he's run a good fifteen hundred, and he's yeah. a steepler, so you feel safe with that. I think. Um. I mean, can we convince Clayton Murphy to to jump over some stuff? Yeah, I think. I mean, the jumping's important, but it's also only eight hundred. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you load it up with eight and fifteen guys, ideally, right? Or maybe but I have to throw Jagger in there. Or do you maybe a foreigner hurdler? You could. Yeah, I mean, that's. The, yeah, I think you're that they have the highest ceiling, but you could be playing with a little bit of fire. I think. Ash and Eaton. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I would go to make the most entertaining relay. Mm. I know that wasn't Reese the question. Uh, well, no, <laughs> you got to go. You got to go. Jake, you're right. Jager, Murphy, Eaton, just to get like one of each. Right? One's a steepler. One's an 800 person who's never hurdled. One's a hurdle. One's a hurdle person in the cat in the greatest athlete of all time. And then maybe. And then just a 400 hurdler. Yeah, or do you like an eight, a pure like 800 person? Do you do? Like a Boris Barian type or a... Donovan maybe, Brazier. Yeah, maybe a 1,500 runner. Maybe like a Drew, a Drew Wendell. Wendell? Oh, Wendell could be good. I mean, Central would probably be... I mean, I'm sure he would be good, but... I'm just thinking steeple, right? So steeples run at like 10,000 race pace. So would an 800 steeple be run at like 3,000 meter race pace? Mm, that's a good point. In which case would you need... Yeah, you'd want someone like a... Like a Central or Paul Chalimo? Ooh. Yeah, let's throw Chalimo in there. Every, yeah, so every team's better with Paul Chalimo. So let's do let's do Chalimo, Eaton, Murphy, and you said you got Jagger gets right of first refusal. I think. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's go to and he would uh, jump. He would do it in a second. He'd jump at the opportunity. Boom. Uh, but people should write in with their steeple relay suggestions. Uh, Karen and Braylon wrote in. Yeah. With a, a race report here, uh, they completed the run, and by complete, I mean we ran the first mile and walked the rest. Braylon wanted you to know he was cool whipped or mashed potatoed or whatever. <laughs> Other of Jason's catchy puns he'd like to insert here, after the first mile, his knees gave out, running his hard knee to train. As a result, my sister got to fulfill her promise to herself of not getting beat by a 10-year-old. I'll have to look through the results to see if she fulfilled her other promise of not getting beat by old people. In other news, Sidney McLaughlin and Jenny Simpson, two of our favorites, are really good, in case anyone... Still wasn't sure until next time. Karen and Braylon sent along a picture as well. This is nice. awesome. Yeah, uh, Braylon, get to training there, man. Get to training. Yeah, it's. I mean, five. Yeah, five k is. It's obviously a tough, tough race, long race. Uh, yeah, just got to do those miles, man. Yeah, we we saw you do it in Oregon, so I know you're capable. Yeah, isn't he going out for bat? Do you go out for basketball this year? That's true. He's driving for basketball too. So hopefully, uh, either way, you know, running good for basketball, you'll be able to be able to play the forty minutes or probably not games aren't half that long but you'll be able to play the whole game 
Yeah, no one will ever take you out. That's, and I am a testament. Endurance really helped my basketball career. <laughs> it did help my. I was always put in to just guard the fastest guy on the other team because yeah. they knew I could just run for the entire game and not get overly tired. And so I would just basically annoy the fast guard on the other team. Yeah, you were like an irritant. You're like a Delavadova type, right? Ex- yes, exactly. Yeah. So I always, when I was playing, even when I was playing like after college, when we do pickup and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it's just like you, ne- you never really, you wouldn't really get out of breath that often, especially if you're playing with older people. And I was always looking around and wondering, like, why are these people like tugging on their shorts after five minutes? Like, I right. Could, but then they were probably looking at me and saying, "Why does he shoot that badly?" <laughs> <laughs> so, we, I think we both had a mutual like respect for one another and understanding. Uh, we had a voicemail to close out the show. Um, new listeners probably aren't totally in tune with the, the the story of Captain Crunch Robbie. Maybe they've heard references to the man uh, over the past year. He was a, a loyal emailer, voicemailer for, gosh, years and years and years, right? Yeah, um, I think first ever emailer of the year, and yeah, yeah, and ver- and then pretty much disappeared uh, entirely for reasons. Well. We won't go into the reasons. He kind of makes a reference to the reason in this. But he has he has returned. Scooter wrote the song that has brought Captain Crunch uh, Robbie out of retirement. He'll give his explanation as, as to why. Um, and this is, a, this is a fabulous, fabulous voicemail. Here we go. Hey, guys. Captain Crunch Robbie here coming off of <clears> – <throat> little more than two full years of not engaging with the sport of athletics in any capacity at all. Uh, I'm pretty sure the most recent race that I watched still remains the 2016 marathon trials. I uh, was happily going about my life as a recovering distance runner turned cyclist when one of the running community's most celebrated Broadway singer impersonators tracked me down on Twitter.com and reminded me of a life I used to have before I shaved my legs twice a week. And so I thought it might be fun to, in the style of Rip Van Winkle or Han Solo for the nerds, um, give some perspective on three of the bigger running stories uh, from a guy who just got dropped into it cold after being frozen in carbonite for a couple of years. Uh, first off, Nike looks like they make hokas now, which is cool, I guess. They call it the 4%. Uh, to me, that's just begging Adidas to make the 5% next year. And then you got to make the 6% the following year. And now we got a percent war on our hands such that by 2067 at the Boston Marathon, the only shoe worth wearing is, of course, the hyperfly 99% guaranteed to get you across the finish line and wrapped in your space blanket in three minutes or less. Although global warming being what it is, I don't think we need to worry about bad conditions at that race. Second topic. Uh, looks like the in thing for 17-year-olds to do now is run 143. Um, was not the case when I was in high school. We were more sweating our cheeks off trying to break two. Uh, and speaking of breaking two, ooh, you guys forgot about my segue game. Undefeated till the end of time, run until that. Um, breaking two, Eliud Kipchoge, the guy I remember for winning silver in the 5K in Beijing and then not doing a whole lot for the ensuing half decade. It looks like he has carved out a nice little second career for himself as being the best marathon runner that ever lived, which is cool. Um, I think that's an inspiration to us all, really. It 
goes to show that, you know, it's never too late to chase your dreams or to call into the old voicemail line again or to account for the cost of an asset across that asset's useful life, assuming you are deriving utility therefrom for all relevant accounting periods. Guys, the Jiro is coming back on TV, so I got to leave it at that. Jamaica, Bahamas, Jamaica, Bahamas. I'll talk to you in 2020. Wow. That's like, man, that was that was like Jordan coming out of retirement, like with the Wizards, like just like, but then throwing up fifty, and you're just like, wait, what's happening? Like, how is how is he doing that? Do you remember when Jordan came back? The way they announced it, just the I'm back. Yeah, the agent put out the press release that just said yep. I'm back. Yep. That that's was... what I th- that's what I thought of. Although now we're not going to see him again for another two years. But if that's the quality we get every couple of years, <sighs> I'm for it. If Robert Goulet's got to write a new song, like every every couple of weeks to get to get us uh, some Robbie, uh, some Captain Crutch Robbie back in our lives, I'm I'm all for it. He's 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 alive. This is yeah. exciting. I, I that's that's big. I mean, he you know we. I mean, I know he hasn't listened uh, for the past couple of years, but I, you know I created an award for the end of year award show in his honor. The yeah. "Come Back to Us, We Miss You" uh, award, and he won it. You know, a few years uh, because it was literally the Captain Crunch Robbie Award. So uh, <laughs> glad glad he's back. Um, I hope he's back. You know, on a more permanent basis, even if he doesn't contribute. But uh, just just happy he contributed again. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, we've been around long enough to where people get come and then leave and then come back again. That's yeah. kind of cool too. Yeah, that's true. I, it's, yeah, I, I'm. I was, you know, I saw that he, uh, you know, got reached out to on Twitter. Um, you know, Scooter it was was talking about, it and he said he would listen. And I was like, oh, that's you know, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, him actually sending in a voicemail got me got me excited. I know Ray will be pumped. I know um, Julian will be pumped. All the all the old guard there, right? Will be will be pumped. Um, you too can voice. You 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 too. Excuse me. Let me try that again. You too can call into the voicemail line. Two zero two four nine five one one three seven. We'll leave it there. If anybody's in, at IU this weekend, Indiana wants to go run. I'm I'm around. Give me a call. Should be exciting. Uh, if you're in Las Vegas, as always, stop by Jason's place of business and uh, ask him for uh, Belmont Steaks picks. <laughs> Except for the next few days, I'll be in Chicago starting tomorrow. Oh, so that's if you're in Chicago this week. Oh, we'll be close to each other, Midwest. Oh, that's true. Uh, man, are you gonna, are you gonna reunite again with your 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 boys again? They're gonna take you out. Your uh, what was it, eight two run the, th- the three run two. There we go. I don't know why I was gonna call it the six zero one. That was that was terrible. All right, thanks everybody who called in. Jason, enjoy your trip. Enjoy all the running this week. You too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is fun. Except for the beginning of the show. It's very depressing. But we're ending on a high note. Not even going to think about it anymore. Until next week. Jessica Ennis. Captain Crunch Robbie is back. At least temporarily. Well, he's gone until 2020. But... Yeah, that's true. But hey, something. Back for the first time. <laughs> Ooh, ludicrous. That's right.